0: This video is sponsored by Paleo Valley. So we all know that vitamin C is known for its ability to support a strong immune system. But what you may not know is that humans are one of the only mammals that don't make our own vitamin C, meaning that it's vital we get this from our diet. With the nutritional content of our food rapidly declining, it's essential we find a better way to get adequate nutrients, particularly vitamin C. And taking Paleo Valley Essential C Complex is the perfect way to do that. Also, beyond the support for your immune system, studies have shown that vitamin C can elevate your mood and lower the stress hormone cortisol to achieve better sleep. So head over to paleovalley.com slash godisgray and use offer code Brenda to get 15% off your first order today. Hi, beautiful people. I am over the moon about today's episode because I got to sit down with one of my very best friends, the actress Emily Mead. We discuss Emily's nuanced experience of shooting sex scenes, the complicated power dynamics between producers, directors, and actors, the complex reason she chose to speak out in the wake of James Franco's Me Too accusations, and how she's fought to standardize the use of intimacy coordinators for any and all sex scenes industry-wide. For anyone who's not familiar with the story, HuffPo did a beautiful piece with Emily to describe the impact and purpose of intimacy coordinators on set.
1: So if you're doing stunts, you're not just going to go in there and improv something, because safety is involved. The same thing is involved in scenes of intimacy, if not more so. And while the women at Intimacy Directors International have been doing it in theater productions for the last 15 years, Hollywood is just getting on board, thanks to one actress who helped change everything. I'm trying to do my job here. That's Emily Mead. She stars in HBO's The Deuce, a show about sex workers in 1970s New York. After shooting season one, she was ready for some change. It just so happened when we were entering season two, everything with Me Too and Time's Up started to explode. It did make me start to think about what ways I have felt uncomfortable or perpetuated these things not changing or these boundaries not being respected.
0: As an actress, Emily is known for her stellar performances, but also she's open about the fact that she has been overtly sexualized in roles since the age of 16. After enduring over a decade of experiences, varying from discomfort to fear to trauma-based disassociation on set, Emily spoke out to advocate for the protection and safety of herself and her peers. Now... Off the bat, let's address the fact that there is a historical cynicism at play when an actress or model speaks out due to their mistreatment in these industries. Modeling and acting are both known for their supposed glamour, fame potential, and luxury. These are industries where it's made very clear that you're lucky to be on set, and that if you're deemed difficult or complicated or if you ask too many dang questions, there are literally hundreds, if not thousands of people, ready and willing to take your spot. But the truth is, since the inception of these industries, women and young girls have been exploited and even assaulted on set. As a model, I myself have been coerced into nudity, I've been shot from angles I didn't approve of, and I have been sexually assaulted outright with no one there to protect me. Emily Ratajkowski wrote a whole book on this issue called My Body, where she details the ways in which she was abused and assaulted in the workplace. In HBO's Phoenix Rising, Evan Rachel Wood speaks of how her oversexualization as a young teen in movies changed the way people treated her in real life. Evan also discusses in horrifying detail how her abuser Marilyn Manson was able to assault her on set in clear view of everyone present. And this horrific mistreatment of women is not an anomaly. Evan Rachel Wood's story harkens back to Maria Schneider's sexual assault at 19 years old on the set of Last Tango in Paris. Her co-star Marlon Brando co-conspired with director Bernardo Bertolucci, and here Bertolucci justifies her assault in the name of art.
1: I didn't want Maria to act her humiliation, her rage. I wanted Maria to feel, not to act the rage and the humiliation,
0: then she hated me for all life. When we discuss power dynamics, exploitation and abuse, Hollywood can be an intensely dangerous place, not only for vulnerable newcomers, but for seasoned vets as well.
1: In our culture of yes, it's like following the director's voice from off in a distance. You hear it and you go because if you say no, you're being difficult or, uh, you know, well, someone else will say yes and we'll give them the job or you'll get a reputation for, you know, or you're being a diva.
0: In this interview, Emily describes how her advocacy has deemed her a difficult woman in the eyes of some. But when we hear story after story of emotional and sexual safety not being honored on sets, it becomes clear that Emily's call for professional intimacy coordinators is more than justified. Here's another example from Emmy Rossum, the star of Shameless. I did a scene this year in the prison where I was being strip searched
1: and it was a cavity search scene. That was, I was a rough completely naked for it. Um, and the way they were shooting it, I didn't even have my vanity patch on, which I usually have like my little triangle in the front over here. Um, and I had a huge panic attack as we were
0: shooting it, which has actually ended up in the show um, because I had never felt so kind of dehumanized in a weird way. Emmy's experience reminds me that the body keeps the score. Demanding nudity and emotional vulnerability from actors is a huge ask. But for decades, women and marginalized identities were and are still often exploited and flattened into stereotypes or as a means to an end. Our bodies are often dismissed as storytelling vehicles for a male protagonist or as a clothing wreck, while our autonomy, safety, and bodily consent are put at risk. After Me Too, people are realizing they don't have to just go along with it, that they have a right to sovereignty of their bodies and their experiences. And the idea that if there's a part that's too painful or hurts, we are creatives. You can find some other way to tell that story if you need to. You must. This next clip from The Deuce reminds me of every casting I've been on for freaking Carl's Jr., Axe Body Spray, Californication, and countless other projects that diminish actresses to sex objects. Could we run it one more time from the top? Mm-hmm. And uh, this time, give us
1: seductive. Oh, okay. That. What you really want to do is get him to screw you in a dressing room. Um, Can I just ask, what uh, is the story? In the next scene, he's going to actually strangle you with a scarf
0: you picked out. Ready? In this interview, Emily Mead tells us a story not beholden to the binary of heroes and villains but instead a tale about the gray complexity of this industry we call hollywood and reminds us of the reason that we must treat performers with so much more tender love and care i hope you enjoy this conversation with the wonderful emily mead It is a pleasure to introduce you beautiful people to one of my most beautiful, (laughs) most best friends, Emily Mead. And we're just going to jump into it and describe the story of how and why Emily ended up advocating to standardize the use of intimacy coordinators on set, not just on HBO, but it became a SAG standard, which means now every... It's becoming a SAG standard. Oh, it's becoming. It's a process because we have to
1: train intimacy coordinators to oh. be able to be intimacy coordinators. I stumbled on we because I'm not personally training anybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Okay, well, we are going to clarify all of that, and yeah. I want you to. And um, just jump into that right now. Like, what, what does that look like? An intimacy coordinator is a person who is on set
1: to help oversee, facilitate, choreograph, and serve as protection in sex scenes ranging, you know, of all types of sex, what, what, you know, whether it's nudity, a graphic sex scene, some sort of just n- nude scene, whatever it may be, um, and to standardize it through SAG means to make it a requirement to be on set when there's a sex scene.
0: Is that a long process? Does it have to be like voted upon or like what is the, yeah. what's holding it up? We had,
1: uh, well, we did get... So, I went with some other intimacy coordinators, and sort of we made our case for why we think this should be standardized. I had a little Norma Ray moment where I got to like give a whole speech about it, got to fight back on these directors who were pushing against it. Um, and we won. They decided to standardize it, but now there needs it's supply and demand. and now there needs to actually be enough intimacy coordinators who are certified to be intimacy coordinators in order for there to be enough intimacy coordinators for it to be standard.
0: Wow, okay. (laughs) So it is mind-blowing to me, but at the same time, it makes so much sense because of how this industry has run that it's not standard to have it because sex is such a precarious, sticky, sometimes traumatizing territory for people to step into. Mm -hmm. And you're doing it in the midst of a lot of people, a lot of power, a lot of people that can pull the strings on your career, whether or not you're getting cast and with what's it called, um, stunt drivers and stunt people that's been standardized forever, you yeah. know, well, not
1: forever, but <clears throat> for a while but oh, they, that, that sounds... had to also become standardized, which was oh. sort of one of the points that I made when the directors were fighting against, you know, saying like, well, this is, you know, stepping on the toes of the directors and this is the director's jobs to direct the sex scenes. And I was like, well, are stunt coordinators directing stunts, or are they just there to help oversee and facilitate it and make sure everything goes okay? It's the same thing for an intimacy coordinator.
0: Brilliant. So <laughs> explain to me why any, like, I kind of, would you, like, paint the picture for us if you're having this Norma Ray moment? Yeah. For anyone who doesn't know, it's a Sally Field movie where yeah. she, like, stands up against the man. Mm-hmm. But... Um, are you actually present in a room of people that are making this decision? And are you present there with directors visibly like pushing yeah. back against it? I you? wasn't
1: present with directors. I was present with the people making the decision. And then it was in New York and LA. So it was like a room full of people at the SAG offices in New York and a room full of people at the SAG offices in LA. And we were Zooming virtually together. So it was like two rooms full of people. And, but I wasn't the only person speaking and advocating for it. But a lot of people were bringing up the arguments that had been made already at the Directors Guild. There was a very like heated conversation in a similar format um, with directors not very pleased with the idea of this being standardized.
0: Because, because I mean, it sounds like the only (laughs) argument I can think of is like then I don't have all the power to just like boss people around and have them like acquiesce to what. Yeah, I I mean, I think
1: people's excuse is like that it's it's stepping on creative toes, but that's absurd. Like directing a film isn't like the director and the actor just like alone in a room together having a conversation. There are hundreds of people that go into filming any and everything. So um, nothing is just the director doing it. It's the director's vision and yes, they get to have the first and final say on things but there's like a lot of people in between that. Um, I think when it comes to sex scenes, yeah, some people just have flat out bad intentions, and they want the freedom to do whatever they want. But actually, one of the people who was most against it was a woman, um, and I think a lot of it's just about control and fear. And um, I think also when it comes to sex, it's like the most sensitive, complex subject there is. So people just freak the fuck out. People don't know how to talk about it. People don't know how to respond. People are really offended by the idea of being told they're not in a they're not good enough at advocating or being sensitive to or being woke or doing it the right way and that they need someone to come in and do it the right way for them, I think is a very offensive thing to some people.
0: Yeah. There's a lot of ego in the statement that you just made and it makes sense, but like, I think the only parallel that I have is that I used to work with this director often when I was like the queen of doing music videos and he was really known for pushing people's boundaries and his defense was like, he was an artist Mm -hmm. and he never did anything like sexually inappropriate or anything, but going onto his set, you're kind of like, Oh, he's going to make me eat gross food off the floor. Or he's going to like subject my body and my person to things that I would not in life ever like surrender to or want to do yeah. and one time I was doing this music video with him where we were running through a field that no one had cleared so I'm running and I have a pair of sneakers on and this branch went through the sole of my shoe up into my foot and immediate like I took my shoe off to get the branch out of my foot and my shoe was just covered in blood and while I was leaving to go to the ER the director bless him was like, you're coming back, right? <laughs> and my sh- my foot had like become like three times the size of a foot. And I was like, no, I'm not coming back. But <laughs> oh, what do you mean <laughs> this
1: is Hollywood?
0: <laughs> Don't you want to chance on the big screen? <laughs> <laughs> but I, that is absolutely not parallel, but I think that's like the point that I'm trying to make. Like we have all of these protections in place because of course you have to leave room for the potential for error, the potential for someone to push boundaries that do actually cause physical harm. Mm-hmm. And we're talking about sexuality. I'm talking about invisible emotional harm. Exactly. And that's why it's not as a parent. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And then the directors who think they're in the right and not pushing your boundaries cannot know that for absolute certain until there is a third party there mediating because of all the power dynamics and the stickiness of being like, I don't want to do this scene, but I mean, I can't even imagine if someone of like true, like Steven Spielberg or something was like, drop your pants. Yeah. I'd be like, okay, fine. Yes. Yeah, guess. My dad will be proud of him in this movie. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but like, it's not easy because people are really underestimating how many years it takes, how much tenacity, how much, I don't know the self-practice and care it takes to actually learn how to advocate for yourself in situations Mm -hmm. that are sexual because it is so fucking complicated. So let's just get into the story. And then I really want to unpack like all of these different nuanced gray dynamics that are at play, because this is not a story about heroes and villains. Mm -hmm. This is a story about very complex situations and a complex group of characters. So how this all started for me, from my point of view, is that you are very, ever, very, very often utilized as the sex symbol in a lot of shows and a lot of, like, characters that you've played. Yeah, or the tragic The sex tragic, song. yes. It's, never, it's not even, like, the empowered sex symbol.
1: It's the, the tragic, aging Lolita, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, so every girl's dream when she's little. <laughs> so, like... Tell me a bit to start about your history with coming into this industry, being like, I want to be an actress. Like, what motivates you to be an actress? And then at what point do you discover that your body is at play and whether or not that's powering or disempowering?
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, I wanted to be an actress because I wanted to make people laugh. I wanted to be a comedian. I wanted to be on SNL. I wanted to be Lucille Ball. Um, I these were all dreams I had before I had ever grown breasts and when my butt was like a petite child's butt, so I didn't cute on the left, yeah, adorable <laughs> as well,
0: but, uh, So I didn't
1: factor in. I, that wasn't a factor. Like, like you
0: being sexualized was no. just like not a part of the. It equation. wasn't part of
1: it, and also just as a kid, I wasn't like boys didn't like me when I was in elementary school. Like I was goofy, I had buck teeth, so I didn't even think that like being attractive was going to be a part of my life. Um, I thought I was just going to get to be funny and 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 bring joy, or 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 not just joy, but like for me, I did have a lot of pain in my childhood, and a lot of the way I dealt with that was like finding the irony and the satirical perspective in that. So that was sort of like, and and finding and TV and movies that had that satirical irony were kind of what got me through a lot of pain in my life. And so to me that was like a very important contribution to the world. Mm -hmm. And so it wasn't until I grew the breasts and the butt got bigger and whatever, that I even um, understood that like sexuality was something, my own sexuality was something I was gonna have to navigate and measure and learn how to deal with this world and along with these sexual parts of me developing a lot of trauma and tragedy ensued very quickly um, and in my real life and I think that definitely painted my energy in a lot of ways that as soon as I entered the industry that was like the gravitational pull was towards not from me but the, the industry was coming at me like I was a magnet for tragedy, uh, sexual tragedy. Um, which is like
0: or, genuinely mirroring the experiences that you have had.
1: Yeah. Or, I mean, the thing is, it wasn't just sexual tragedy. I mean, when I really reflect on it, cause I was very picky in the beginning. i mean I'm still picky, but I was picky in a way that like I thought wouldn't make my life like harder or slower <laughs> when I was younger. And I did also get a lot of attention. Like I did get offers to be the more typical, sexual, sexualized thing, but that I would say no to because I didn't want to be a sex symbol. I wanted to still get to be funny. I wanted to be like a real actress. Um, So a lot of the roles I did that were tragically sexual, it was more like that's how I could justify, like well it's still, it does justify perhaps, but it was like I still wanted to tell a story or say something no matter what. So it was like I had to find ways to like say something within the parameters of being sexualized. Um, so that that's a really niche <laughs> market, and so there was only there's only been however many roles that work for that. But I guess it's not true that I only got sexually tragic roles towards come towards me. But I very vehemently was I was against the idea of being some sort of you know using my sexuality f- for power or fame or attention. Yeah. Maybe I should have just used it a little bit. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs>
0: but uh, I know. Um, but like, so I'm just pulling out of that. You said many things, but when you talked about, I wanted to be a real actress, Mm -hmm. I think that's something that a lot of people take for granted as well. That as a woman, when you're in the position where your body is on the table and your the sexualization of that body is on the table, then all of a sudden you're trying to navigate a world where you're like. Please take me seriously. Please see me as a full human being. And I will take my top off so that I have a chance at this role or have a chance in this industry. Maybe I can trick
1: you into like looking from my breast to my face eventually if you get bored of my breasts after a while.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And like there is, I think... Maybe it's changing, but I've seen, like, Sydney Sweeney say the opposite, where she still feels like she's not being taken seriously when she gets naked. So the concept of a real actress then becomes, like the unreal or like the ones that aren't as legitimate would take their clothes off more quickly. The stigma of it, like how you have navigated a career where you have gotten very legitimate work and you have gotten to show yourself in your fullness, but then there's other sections of this world where like there is a stigma of like oh well you're not a real actress or she's just a model. Because I always recount this story where when I was auditioning for Showtime for Californication a handful of times, they immediately gave you a waiver Mm -hmm. that was like, I offer up everything, including my vagina. And then they, sorry, lie to you and say when you walk through the door that that's not gonna have any effect on whether or not you actually get the part. And judging by the fact that every single woman in that show is naked and sexualized and having sex, like. I'm not buying that story. Mm-hmm. I think you had to sign away your sexuality. And by the way, this is just an opinion. Like, I cannot say that well, it's unequivocal well, I have evidence fact. that
1: I've lost rules for saying no. So. Okay,
0: yeah. So all of that said, I'm just pointing out that, like, our, your body is on the table regardless. And then you have to figure out how to be taken seriously and how to be seen in your fullness. Mm, yeah. So how did you begin navigating that? Mm, I'm Well,
1: I'm still navigating. It. <laughs> but, um, yeah, in the beginning, the only way to do that was to say no. Everything was yes or no. There was no nuance. There was no yes and. There was no no but. Um, so, yeah, I either lost a lot of roles or had to turn down a lot of roles um, and had to find a way to... It's. T- I mean, it's a much slower,
0: more painful process. Um, and just to clarify, this is not your imagination. Like, there has been an instance where you had a role, and- Well, like, yeah, I didn't have the, like, the full offer, but yeah, it seemed as
1: though it was my role. Um, I was being told it was pretty much my role. Uh, the, through the casting director, the director had, had the casting director come to my managers and agents, and they were asking if I was willing to do a full frontal, no holds bar sex scene with the lead actor in the show. Um, and I didn't have a yes or no answer. I am somebody who I think I confuse and frustrate people a lot with my relationship with nudity in these things, because I've often said no, and I've also often said yes, for very different reasons. So they
0: can't categorize you as yes. this is the girl. Who gets yeah, and I've had
1: I've had character. cast directors say to me like, oh, <clears> you do nudity, so you can we can submit you for this. And then I disappoint people because I'm like, no, actually, I won't do it because I don't find it justified there or I'll do it in, I've done it before in areas where people thought I wouldn't do it. Um, so to me, it's not about the nudity. It's about in the content and the context and why and what it's being used for. And I do think there's a use sometimes, and I think sometimes there's not. And I don't ever feel comfortable doing it when the use is too titillate but I do feel comfortable doing it if the use is to tell a story that I find important. But in this case, I didn't know what it was being used for because they just were saying, yes or no, can you do a, can you, will you show your vagina? <laughs> and so I went back with saying it would need to be a conversation. And then that they told the director that and they said, no, the director needs a yes or no. And they said that the lead actor, who was like a very famous rich man in his 50s or 60s, who the stakes were very different for him mm-hmm. to do a no holds barred, full frontal sex scene. Um they're like, Well he said he would do that. It's like, okay. <laughs> is, yeah. yeah, I'm not oh, he's willing to get naked with a young twenty three year old actress and collect a check and probably an Emmy and go home. Oh wow, that's shocking. Yep. Um so they were using that as some sort of like as if I was being a pussy. <laughs> like they're like, Well, he said it. Um so I was like, okay, well I can't give a yes or no. If if it's a yes or no, I guess it's no, but I don't I can't give a yes or no and then I lost, or then the role was officially not mine and it went to someone who said yes, who now has definitely a more flourishing career than me, whether or not they actually wanted to do that or just knew that they had to say yes to get the opportunity, because it was a good opportunity.
0: The thing that really upsets me is again, just like people not having like the wherewithal to realize what a gigantic question that is and what a big ask it is to say, can we show you full frontal? Say yes or no. And and then by the way, we will take this huge opportunity away from you. It's yeah. not even a it's not a yes or no to nudity in that case. It is a yes to allowing your career to take a certain path and to have this job that's coveted or I won't get naked and that all disappears. And that mm-hmm. opportunity goes away. Yeah. That's not really a choice. Yeah. Well, or at least it's not consent to nudity. It's not like bringing someone in and being like, this person is really happy to be here. Like no, they made I mean, their own choice. Well, it's also saying that your nudity is more valued
1: than your talent or your ability to act or anything about you other than your willingness to be naked or not. It's okay. saying like yeah. that comes first, and then beneath that, it's great if you're a good actor. But most importantly, it's that you show yourself.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Well as evidenced by all the women who when they are in the second or third season of a show and then they finally get like they have the power to change their contract to be like I'm not doing that anymore like everyone pause and question and ask why why do women make that change? Probably because they didn't want to do the nudity yeah, in, the do in the first place. Course, yeah. yeah, but there really is no other, there's no other options, as like no, from it's what you're saying. sort of
1: like paying your dues, and it's so ingrained in us. Like, just that's, we somehow are, owe, we owe society, if we have nice breasts. To show them <laughs> and that's you know and like we're lucky to be here we're lucky that we're even getting to act therefore yes. obviously we should at least you know give a few boners while, we, while we're at it 100% <laughs> I
0: know it's so like diminishing in mm-hmm. every way
1: yeah we can't do the like action stunts like I don't know what it is that we're apparently not offering that men are offering but we have to at least offer our sexuality Yeah, to make it worth it
0: so I wanted to like give a space to tell this story because I have read the press of you coming out and speaking about intimacy coordinators and all of the work you did to fight for that with SAG and with HBO, and I've seen the credit for that being given to people that I don't think deserve the credit for it. You have this whole trajectory where you have this career. Sometimes you are getting nude for roles that you think is appropriate. Sometimes you're having terrible experiences, whatever, running the gamut, all the gray areas. You are on the first season of The Deuce and the Me Too movement explodes and James goes to what the Emmys you said? The uh, Golden Globes are the Emmys, and where's yeah. a little times an award show. Yeah, yeah where's the Times mm-hmm. Up pin, and this results in women coming out and yeah. saying, I, mean, "I don't know, I don't know if it was because of the pin, but that was just the timing of it." Okay, <laughs> That's That's
1: the fair. pin that launched a thousand <laughs> ships.
0: <laughs> yeah. My like. completely like I don't know I'm ignorant I don't know him I don't know the inside of the story or any of the women that said anything but what I do feel is that like it's a very sticky territory because James is someone that is very handsome someone who is very fuckable like you know objectively for a lot of people and we in the Me Too movement, so many of us had this reckoning of like realizing times we were assaulted and we had no idea because it was just standard to be treated in certain ways or to be objectified in other ways. And I think that I would imagine that that pin stirred up some memories for people that were processing things that they didn't feel right about Mm -hmm. in their interactions with him. Mm -hmm. So When all of this happened, I also remember the headlines or like the story being like the cast of The Deuce like says nothing ever happened on set and everything's fine. And you and I were on a trip together and we were driving in a car when all of this news was breaking Mm -hmm. and you spent the entire weekend in agony. That's the appropriate word because there was so much on your head because you are such a principled person that when asked Did anything go awry? Is everything spotless and clean on the set of The Deuce? And with James, you couldn't give an earnest. Yes, everything was fine. Mm -hmm. Okay, so what was the narrative that HBO put out that you felt like you couldn't put your stamp of approval on?
1: They just said that they had talked to everybody in the cast and that there had never been any similar complaints and that was not entirely true. And I knew that wasn't entirely true. And even if that was entirely true, I didn't quite feel comfortable you know, with such a simple, like I didn't feel comfortable just being a part of, or being silent in a situation where by being on a show with somebody who people were saying, did these things, by just going along with saying like, okay, well by being on the show, I am supporting him instead of them. And I also knew it wasn't entirely true that there had been no ambiguity on the subject because there always fucking is. (laughs) Everything's gray and ambiguous. Um, So I didn't feel comfortable With just silently going on with the show, I didn't want the other option at the time, which it seemed at least in the moment, was to try to cancel or, you know, end the career of James and vanish. Yeah,
0: because everything in the... I mean, everything is so sticky when we have these huge reckonings. And then with Me Too, it became like, you're either in, you're out, you're either a predator or not, you're rapist. It all felt very, yeah, Sophie's Choice, like do you think he's good or do you think he's bad? <laughs> and i like, I
1: don't, neither. I don't, I think it's far more complicated. And you being
0: much. the usual pain in the ass is like, there's nuance yeah, here, there's, sorry. Other, there's other options, not <laughs> yeah. just A
1: or B. Also, James aside, James out of it, it was a show full of many people who were not powerful men in Hollywood. Women just starting their careers, people of color, cast and crew who this show fed their family. Um... So we were all in a really sticky position where everybody needed James, and if James came down, if James went down, the entire ship went down.
0: And by him. the way, he's playing two yes. characters. Yeah, he's not just one. He's two. Got to kill leads them both up. Of yeah. the show. Yeah.
1: So I was in this moment of like, so I either the way the conversation is going so far, I either have to say yes, I I stand by James. Nope, I don't think he has ever done anything off-color in his life, or I have to be like, yes, actually he did, and risk literally taking food out of the mouths of, like, hundreds of people, families, and ending or definitely whatever, slowing down the careers of many, like, beautiful women just starting their careers on the show and getting an opportunity. So it felt like a pretty, like, impossible, horrific position. Um as far as just morally for me. And I understood everybody wanting to support James in order to get the show done and to finish telling the story, which is an important story and it is talking about the subject itself. So really? the irony was just like overwhelming. <laughs> yeah. um, but also I couldn't in good conscience just be like, okay, cool. Also, aside from that, I was having a really hard time on the show. It was like the amount of sexual content that I was having to do versus the amount of creative voice I felt I had on the show in the first season was painful and overwhelming, and I did not feel good. And I didn't – it was very – it was a really hard – I didn't feel balanced in the amount that I was exposing myself and the amount of vulnerability – sexual vulnerability I had on the show versus like the amount of actual acting and storytelling I was getting to do. It did get better as the seasons went on, but this is end of first season going into second
0: season. Yeah. Um, so yeah. And well, I also want to take a pause to be like the lack of recognition that you, when you are asking for that level of vulnerability to make believe having sex, which means like doing all of the actions besides actually like penetrating or you know having like mouth to mouth ma- or mouth to body parts or whatever mm-hmm. which also is on the table depending I like besides genitalia I guess mm-hmm. right because mm-hmm. you can still even have someone like kissing on your boobs and yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah yeah so it's like there is really actually no distinction between like oh we're just playing like make-believe second phase <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah maybe not we third can phase. do a second phase yeah yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah but they're really like it is your body your person And these things are happening to your body. And sometimes they're hearkening back to situations that have not been pleasant for you. And the fact that nobody in the industry is like taking that seriously. And by the way, I'm not even calling out any villains. It was just like standard to be like, take off your clothes. Let's do this. Like I had that with modeling all the time, making you change in front of tons of people. Like nobody gave a shit because it's like. You know what you signed up for, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. you're lucky to be here. Yeah, exactly. you're always there There's to not be much here. empathy when it comes to any
1: anything <clears throat> that could appear glamorous.
0: Yeah, and then exactly. you should be just thankful to be there. Don't complain. Mm-hmm. And many people who have complaints have not had opportunities in the future for mm-hmm. it. So okay, so you know that all of these things happened. You are freaking out. And I'm seeing it happen in my in front of my eyes. And you're starting to have conversations with the producers and with other people on set to try to navigate the situation. But what are some of the situations in particular that you were even, that were running through your brain when this scandal broke that made it conflicting? Yeah. I mean,
1: I had firsthand gone to HBO about a situation that had made me uncomfortable that James was involved in. So I knew just for a fact whether they had that on record, whether they were including that, like, that was something that had
0: happened. Which, or whether they were considering set as, like, not life. Yeah. Or yeah. Wh- who, I, I,
1: I don't know. But um, during the first season... There was a episode that James was directing, it was episode seven out of the first few, so it was still the beginning, I felt so like kind of small in my role to begin with. I, it was a huge ensemble and I didn't have all that much to do like storytelling wise, so I didn't really feel like I had that much of a voice. And it's not necessarily anyone's fault. It's not that anyone's telling me, like, you don't have a voice, but it's definitely hard to keep your esteem when you're being that vulnerable and exposed without, like, really fucking knocking them knocking their socks off with your performance, because you have, like, you know, very little to do, ultimately. Yeah. Um, so in that episode, James, who, yeah, as we said, like, I considered him, you know, a Friend, loosely or whatever. I, I liked him. I liked him. I liked working with him. I thought he was a cute, charming guy, and definitely wanted to like please him and wanted him to like me. And he called me on the phone and asked me if he could insert a body double being penetrated, like so, having a penis go into a vagina that was not mine, but inserting that into a sex scene with me, which would make it look like it was mine. So, regardless of whether I had to actually be penetrated on camera or not, for the rest of my life and beyond, that image would exist, and people would think that they're seeing my vagina be penetrated.
0: Yes, because no one's going to do their due diligence and be like, is that Emily? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No <laughs> one
1: on Pornhub is going to be like, I figure that's a buddy. Based on her ratios, I don't think that's a So The
0: coloring's a little off.
1: Exactly. So, no, he did not ask me to be penetrated, but to me, it was pretty instantly humiliating um, because already, like, I did not feel exactly like I was... I didn't... I felt very confused and unsure and unsteady in my position in this show and if I was really even whatever an important part of the story and so it certainly made me feel unimportant to be kind of like asked to be used as a more of a whatever making a point than protecting the like the safety of my me as an actress or as my character um and so I did say no to him I did have the like ability to say no and he- but to
0: clarify this is a conversation on your cell phone yeah. and a phone call yeah so not even a text so you can't even like step away and like compose yourself yeah. Yeah. you're being confronted with this question immediately yeah yeah and it again he didn't
1: push he wasn't like okay well you should really do it but like i said to do to my own shit like and my own sexual trauma, my own wanting to please men, and my own wanting to please cute men, whatever, I felt humiliated, guilty, embarrassed. I was like, oh, no, like, now he's not going to like me. Now he's going to whatever. You're You're so not cool. I'm so not cool. I won't show my – or pretend to show my vagina or whatever. Um, And so I actually went to one of the producers of the show. Well, no, I went to my agents and managers who went to HBO, and HBO said that they would never allow that to happen. Like allowed a foot footage of a vagina being penetrated, and I don't think that that did ever appear on the show. Part of the purpose and the reason he was asking was because this season of the show was taking place between 1971 and 72, and that's when penetration first appeared in porn. But to me, it was like, well, couldn't you find another way to show that? Like there was a lot of porn on this show; they did it have to be my character being penetrated? Um, so yeah, or
0: even get porn stars to do it or like, you know, someone that's just more amenable or like,
1: yeah. And, and it could be shown whatever on the little, you know, there's, there was, there was many images of porn on the show Mm -hmm. and it didn't have to be me. It wasn't in the script. And to me, I think another part of it that just hurt my feelings and made me feel embarrassed was that James is an actor. So it's not like he doesn't understand like what the danger of that, like the risk that would be taking
0: on your reputation, on my
1: reputation, on my mm-hmm. career. And I'm not even like James, that's an actor, and would probably, whatever, be careful with what he showed of his genitalia, let alone like I was a 26 year old actress who was still trying to like make a name for myself. So that's a pretty heavy ask. Yeah. And again, he was gracious and fine. And <clears throat> I don't think that that means he is evil or bad or monster or should be canceled or should be banished to the cornfield it just made me uncomfortable and embarrassed and the bigger issue for me was that because I you know James was like the cool boy in high school who I wanted to please I didn't trust myself going forward and I knew I had a sex scene that he was directing and I was kind of going in with the mentality of like oh well, I didn't say yes to this so like maybe I can like shake my tits or like spread my butt cheeks or do something that like would be like I'm like I can't say no again so like whatever he asks me next like I have to do because I wasn't I was a real bitch about the whole (laughs) penetration thing
0: Um, (laughs) yeah
1: yeah real real baby so I went to the producers and well so yeah so HBO knew about this so again I don't know where that lived in their records of, like, complaints about James. It wasn't technically a complaint about James. It was, like, me saying, like, this happened. I don't want to do that. Who wants me to do that? Where is this coming from? I still don't really understand, like, where that concept of having my character be penetrated came from. I just know that it was asked of me by James, and that felt inappropriate, not just of James, but of the shut light that nobody was... yeah protecting me from like having a very uncomfortable conversation with somebody that I have to, that I'm creatively working with and I don't want to sully that relationship and it's awkward and it's complicated. And it's also a man asking a woman something about sex and it's, it's, there's a lot of gray. (laughs) It's really Mm -hmm. fucking complicated.
0: Yeah. And at the same time, I can completely imagine why that wouldn't have raised red flags for people because this is, The industry that we're in, like, I have experience in Hollywood and in the modeling industry and in both. I have never once in my life felt anyone was there to protect my morality or my body or, like, there had never been a third party to be, like, are you comfortable with this? And I've been assaulted on set as well. So, like, we were just, like, ground level of, like, even considering yeah. your autonomy and those power dynamics in that situation. Yeah, and
1: I think because, again, I wasn't being cornered and forced, and I didn't—I wasn't afraid I was going to. It wasn't like I was like, I'm afraid I'm going to get to set, and James was going to be like, nope, you better do that. Not at all. What my concern was that I wound up going to the producers about was that I'm afraid of my set. Like, I'm afraid that in the heat of the moment with the bright lights on me and, like, time is money and everybody's waiting on me and relying on me, if James asks me to do something, I'm not going to be able to calibrate for myself what my own boundaries are. And clearly, you know, he asks some rogue requests mm-hmm. <laughs> and it gets low. <laughs> yeah. And I don't feel like in the position of having a sex scene, I will also have be like in the right mindset to ha- have to say no again or to protect myself. So I said, like, I need there to be producers, there are people there to like come in and protect. So that Because there was no
0: such thing as calling in an intimacy coordinator. Yeah, I, I, so you're just like, someone, please intervene a, and that, protect Yeah, me.
1: apparently it did exist in theater, but no one in film and television, including myself, knew that it existed. Right. So I no. never heard of it before.
0: Yeah. No.
1: I hadn't heard of it when I ran a basket for it. I just asked for somebody to be there to facilitate and coordinate sex scenes. And it just so happened that that already existed. They just weren't utilizing it. But so that happened. So even going into the sex scene... Directed by James, I was like putting up my red flags, letting everybody know like I kind of need extra help here. Like basically, I was saying like even if I say yes to something, it doesn't mean I'm actually comfortable with it, and I need your help and I need some parental supervision here to like. And I said that, and I and I was taking the I was like, listen, I'm like attracted to James, like I'm like I'm like he's not being a pervert with me, I'm I'm the pervert, (laughs) like I want to please the guy, but and I don't, but I don't want
0: to do something I'm going to regret. So could you just Keep an eye out. And um I wish that was in like real bedroom scenarios. You're like, I don't know how to advocate for myself with this person, so <laughs> yeah. I just need a third party. Yeah. So we'll
1: like, you do it too much.
0: You're, you're too she far. doesn't actually like that.
1: <laughs> yeah. Literally, like you make it a fix, then it real enjoyment. It
0: looks
1: like pain that you like it's like right in the line between pain and pleasure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um <laughs> But yeah, so we had already had this conversation, and then when it came time to filming this actual sex scene, it was just like a cacophony of like everything, all the... All the so you're already go going on.
0: in, like activated stress, your yeah. guard's up, you're already afraid, you've told people, hey, I really need some advocacy and help here. Yeah. You get on a set, and you experience the, the last thing you experience is advocacy or protection.
1: Yeah, I think there were people involved... Like, the producer, the female producer who was there that day did try to do what the best she could in the moment with the information that she had. Because no one
0: is trained in this position anyway. Exactly.
1: Nobody here was like, wow, we don't give a fuck. Like, people cared. People wanted to do a good job. People just didn't know how. Like, this is is still, like, in the history of film and television, it's still a pretty new thing to have a television show that is eight episodes where we're getting the episodes as they come with this much sex in it. Like, that's still new. It started even having sex on TV with fucking The Sopranos, which is 20 years ago. Like, this is still a pretty new... I mean, there's sex on TV, but, you know, like, the cut to the curtains or whatever. Like, as far as, like, actual, realistic, graphic sex, this is still, like, very new territory in the history of film. So everyone could have the best of intentions but still not know how to actually you know cover all the bases of like protection yeah. especially again with such an like invisible ambiguous thing so then when it came time to filming the scene it was a scene that i had to have a pretty like long involved sex scene and it was supposed to be my character lawyer laurie my character lawyer
0: my character laurie
1: who was a sex worker she was starting to do foreign porn films and like what the show with the this episode and this scene was supposed to depict was that the difference between having sex off-camera without the performative aspect and the fact that Laurie was not doing a good job at, like, performing pleasure because that hadn't been a factor in her being a sex worker without being filmed. Um, Mm -hmm. So that was, like, the, 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 the point of it. And they had hired an actor for this. It was, like, an actual... It was, like, a, you know... It was a few days of work and... It was enough of a part that it was some. It needed, they needed someone who it wasn't just there to have sex with me. They had lines, they had interactions. Also, a sex scene is an actual something that requires skill. It is choreographed. You have to actually know how to do it. It's not just like how do I like kind of mimic sex, but like not have sex. So the day of, the actor that they had hired, who like they introduced me to and was like, okay, you guys are gonna be doing this, blah, blah, blah. Um, I don't know what happened beforehand, but he, they apparently expected him to do full frontal nudity. He did not know they expected him to do full frontal nudity or I don't, know, I don't know what actually happened. All I know is we were there on set about to do the scene. He was naked, but he had his like tool belt covering his penis. And, um... A As pe- man do. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but, uh, when you, you know, we have fixed a few things around the house. And he didn't want to show his penis. And I don't know what the conversation was. All I know is, next thing I know, he was gone and not going to be the actor in the scene. And they basically looked to the background actors who are coming in in all varied levels of experience. Some people, this is their first time ever on a set of any kind. Some are more trained actors, but, like, you don't know which is what. Yeah,
0: I mean, I've done extra work before. You just, like, sign a form. It I mean... Be, it, could be <laughs> it could be anything be from, like, a trained Shakespearean
1: actor who's going to be a star one day to somebody who's just like, oh, a porn show. <laughs> 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 Sounds cool. Like, it yeah. could be literally anyone. And they basically asked if there was anyone who wanted to step into this role. Um, And this poor kid who, you know, I do not think he had any negative intentions, but obviously, like, it seems like an opportunity to step up and get, like, a real part on the show.
0: Yeah, I would have raised my hand. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You're already already there also doing, like, whatever. Of course you're going to raise your hand. So they got this guy, and, like, next thing I know, I'm just, like, meeting him, like, in the sex scene. He is clearly terrified. He clearly has never done a sex scene. He does not know what he's doing. This is also before Alicia and intimacy coordinator. So we had very like minimal, you know, protections physically. Once Alicia came, we developed this thing kind of because of this reason, but we like made this thing where you put like a yoga pad in between you. So like, you're not actually even like, there's like a hard thing protecting you. But at the time- This before was like a soft, like just
0: the fabric they still, is, of fabric We
1: still have the fabric, but like now there's more elements. But um, at the time, yeah, it was at most, at best, like a little piece of fabric, cock sock, as they call it, but like a little yeah, piece yeah. of fabric that is not exactly like holding, it's no chastity belt, like it's not actually holding anything in. And, again, this person didn't actually know, like, the mechanics of how to do a to simulate sex on camera. So he had this very floppy, loose thing, excuse me, and was just basically like, very vigorously humping in a way that his penis was like fully like hitting my vagina over and over and over again. So it was like direct contact between penis and vagina. And the scene was going on very, very long. James wasn't yelling cut. He, this kid was like definitely going, like not even further. I don't want to say he was going further. He was just like physically doing more than was necessary because I simply out of not knowing how, like he just didn't know. It was and not,
0: no, no one was there to choreograph that moment. No. Okay.
1: no one was there. I mean, it would have technically at that time been the director's job. So it would have been James. That was not what was happening. Um, Cause there was no intimacy coordinator. There was no choreographer. It was just like, it was, it was kind of just chaos. Um, and so at one point I asked, that I asked somebody to not tell him, but I was like, is there any way we could, like, tie his penis back or, like, whatever, like, get it so that it's not actually, like, freely flopping and hitting me? And I was like, but please don't tell him. I don't want to embarrass him. Obviously, they told him, and he came back, and, like, I think they had, like, I don't even... Who knows what they did to the poor kid, but, like, tried to, like, tie his dick back in some way, and then he's like, is that better? So I'm like, great. Like, he's humiliated. I'm humiliated. We're having to have this incredibly intimate scene. He seemed really upset, and, like, he was going to, like... You, like I think, feel like he was talking about his mom getting upset that he's gonna be naked on camera. Like I don't even know. Um,
0: Pause. I don't want to like you know make this sound more harrowing than it is. Yeah. But do you mind telling us like what was going through your head when that is happening and you're having that contact? Like, do you go out of body? Yeah. Were you trying to figure like what was yeah? Going on? I think just a dissociation that i
1: probably developed many years before in my real life in many traumatic sexual situations and yeah i mean i think i it's it's such a bizarre out of it's literally out of body you go out of body i mean i was in my body enough to know like this is making me uncomfortable i want them to do something about this like please can you do find a way that his penis is not hitting my vagina but um yeah I was humiliating I mean it was mostly humiliation again I or it wasn't like I was doing this like really intense graphic sexuality but I was doing some tour de force tour de force performance like in this episode I had like one or two lines and one and they were both while I was topless so like it wasn't exactly like I was like you know what but I'm 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 telling I was telling a story and I stand by that I think it was an important story and I think Like the
0: collective story, but
1: your personal narrative. And my personal narrative still was even important, but it was, especially in the first season, I was not, it was a lot of things happening to my character, and it wasn't a lot of my character's journey yet. And so it didn't exactly feel worth it. So you're there, like not only, you're going at a body and then you're there like calculating like, okay, so like this is gonna exist forever, like people are gonna see this, like what are they gonna think of this? How many people are gonna jerk off to this? What is the perspective on me gonna be after this? Like, it's mostly humiliation and shame. Um, And also humiliation that like, I'm like, oh my God, these people must think I'm so pathetic that I'm even like willing to do, or like, it's just, I don't even, it's humiliation. I mean, that's like the simplest thing. and discomfort but the discomfort's what sends you sort of out of your body and that's something that I've learned I've done in many ways in my life so that was like old hat for me but usually you're dissociating in real life like not under such bright lights it's usually yeah with
0: everyone watching yeah, yeah. yeah. it's not like, like look at her getting yeah, traumatized yeah okay now do it again
1: <laughs> yeah so that was uncomfortable and he did get his dick tied back at one point but it was just like it was really a shit show and
0: and every like that energy was felt yeah was i was lovely. saying like
1: i didn't even necessarily understand that it was like unnecessarily gratuitous or like un- it was unnecessarily chaotic i it, i more was learning that the situation was not a good one from the reactions from other people because again i'm I'm coming out of a lifelong journey with sexual like with not having agency in my sexuality. So I'm not in that moment, like this is absolutely crossing the line. I'm just like, I don't know. I feel humiliated and uncomfortable. Can we die- tie his dick back? But like I'm not an outsider seeing it. Or a man who's maybe used to having more agency, seeing like this is fucking fucked up. Um, so eventually our female producer, who was the person I had said that I needed protection from, did go and she like yelled at James to say cut. But it was just, like, that was, like, only one tiny little piece of, like, what the whole problem, like, how we even got to, like, this chaotic moment where, like, I'm laying there with my tits fucking flying around being, like, having a dick flopping on me yeah. by a stranger who... They literally picked in. off the street, <laughs> practically. <laughs> pulled in yeah. that day. Um, so, yes, it was, you know, people were, people, like, the the blame kind of was falling on James that day for not yelling cut. In his defense, I, he was not yelling "cut" because the scene was not actually going how it was supposed to because the kid didn't know what he was doing. So, like, the, in the scene, my character is supposed to lay there and like be whatever, like not into it, and then like find myself in it and like get into it. But this kid is literally just like banging against me, so I didn't have like the physical room to do that performance.
0: Yeah. So
1: in from James's perspective, I guess he's watching it and he's waiting for that arc to occur. He's obviously not realizing, like, he probably could have done more to direct it, but, like, he's obviously seeing this as, like, oh, okay, well, I'm not getting where I need to get in the scene yet. And the producers are, like, James, why aren't you yelling and cut? And, like, nobody's actually understanding the nuance of it as that, like, there's actually a lot of things that are happening here. Um, so that happened, and that's, you know, I've had many... Whatever other horrific experiences, but the reason that this was obviously um, very prominent in my mind when we're in the desert and when I'm making this decision about what I'm supposed to do about the show is like I knew that happened and I knew that HBO knew that happened and I knew that like it wasn't as simple, it's like everything went smoothly in the first season, there were definitely some bumps. And so I actually wound up deciding which, you know, wasn't necessarily part of the original narrative talking about it, but I decided to leave the show because I didn't want to I didn't want to like try to tell anybody I wasn't trying to be like no, actually one time like James asked me to insert penetration into a scene because I don't I don't like I don't think that should end his career. I don't think that should end the show. Like I don't know, it's fucking complicated. Like we're all fucking figuring it out. But I still didn't feel comfortable just silently being like, yep, everything's okay here. Let's just get it done. So I thought the best thing I could do was leave the show, which was a really fucking hard decision. I was on a fucking <sighs> HBO show and it was my livelihood and um but I couldn't like I couldn't live with myself just like going on as if it was totally fine. And then obviously they did not want me to leave the show. I'd like to think it was for my talent, I'm sure how it would look, played a factor, but I think it, you know, I don't think it was like a purely ego-based, fucked-up, evil reason. So they basically, HBO and the producers and everybody were coming to me asking me what they could do. And again, never heard of anything like an intimacy coordinator, but I basically knew that. I was like, okay, in this moment I have the floor. Like I have the... Like, I know that they will listen to what I say right now because they're in a sticky position here and they need to. (laughs) So I was like, I want there to be somebody on this set and all HBO sets that are there for sex scenes that their sole purpose is to help oversee and facilitate and protect and choreograph in sex scenes and that they're not thinking about budget or even fucking creativity or performance or ego or anything. They're just there to protect and make sure the sex scenes go as planned. So whether that means you are going to have penetration in a scene or not, it's talked about beforehand with intimacy coordinator. It's not the cool boy in school calling you on the fucking cell phone asking you, like, do you mind doing this? It's an intimacy coordinator saying, hey, James wants to do this in the scene. How do you feel about that? And then whatever you decide on, they are there to make sure that that is what happens. And that you don't get fired over it. You don't get fired over it. Yeah. Whatever the fuck happened with the guy. And that also just to help choreograph so someone's not fucking flopping their dick into your vagina. And that there's some kind of protection there in the first place. That even if they're not great at, like, the physical act of a sex scene, there's protection there. So to me, you know, and I came up with this concept in a matter of, like, I don't know, hours or whatever. But to me, that was, like, the best thing I could think of to contribute to this conversation of Time's Up and Me Too. Because to me, there wasn't like to me just saying like, oh, actually, something kind of weird once happened with James is pointless. Um, But to me, doing something that would prevent those things happening had a point and had a purpose. And if I could prevent that for myself and for everybody else, then I could in good conscience go on with this show with whatever public statement we're making. so I told them I wanted someone who was there to do that. I said I wanted veto power over, like, you could say, like, no, I don't want to do sex with this person. Obviously, I never used that or airplane, too, because, like, that would feel mean. <laughs> so, like, that seems like that would be, like, a hard, like, ew, nasty, get him out of here. That would be, but I wanted us, me, and all the girls to have that right. Um and no more taking from the background actor. That was like kind of like an obvious rule. Oh, and no like day of changes to the act. Like if that were to happen, if someone were to get fired, you'd have to like reschedule the sex scene. Yeah. And they listened and they said, okay, yes, these all sound great. Um, they agreed. And because an intimacy coordinator already fucking existed and we just didn't know about it, within a few days, they had hired Alicia Rodas, who was the first, ever she created intimacy coordination and they hired her for the show wow. and i agreed to stay on the show and i came with my like fucking tail but she might i was so humiliated i was so scared and embarrassed and afraid everyone was gonna be mad at me there was definitely mixed energy about it but came to the show and alicia was there and it did make a huge fucking difference um it did it made a difference
0: So what were some of the differences of working with Alicia? I mean,
1: none of those things would happen, you know, a, especially me and not everybody wanted to use Alicia in this way, but I, one of the things because of my, again, my own issues, my own trauma, my own wanting to please, one of my biggest issues was the actual conversation about these things with the directors, especially if they were people I wanted to please or be friends with or whatever. Um, So one of the main things for me was I would use Alicia for, you know, I'd get a script, I'd see what it said, and then I would talk to her, and I'd have the director talk to her, and we'd each talk to her before talking to each other so I could have whatever candid conversation with her and tell her things I was uncomfortable with or not and kind of talk it out with her first, and she could relay some of that to the director before me and the director had to create a conversation. That was something that I don't think everybody did or wanted to do, but for me that was one of the most important parts and the biggest struggles in my career was like the actual saying no and letting people down and the ambiguity and like gray of all that
0: and And then when experience with sets and creativity too just seems to be like we don't really have time to like unpack your childhood trauma like just tell me what you feel you
1: feel like such an asshole you feel like i mean i felt like an asshole even telling hbo that i felt uncomfortable with the penetration thing and then they're like oh no no we would never do that so I, i don't even know like There's still a lot of mysteries to like kind of what goes behind on behind the scenes with all this. And um, but yeah, so I yes, there's a lot of there's a lack of empathy and there's always the energy of like you're lucky to be here. Even if it's not from like an individual person, just being on a film set at all. That is the energy. Yeah. Um so yeah, I would use Alicia in that way. And then when it comes to the actual physicality, like Again, they wouldn't just pick a random background actor at all. And her and I and the other actor would like go over the scene, figure with the director, figure out how we're going to do it, physically choreograph it, like with our clothes on, practice it, figure out like where do you hump so that you're not actually touching the vagina, but it looks like you are to the camera. And then she also, you know, in the morning comes in, talks to you, checks in with you, shows her like shows you like an entire array of like garments for your. Private parts and all the shit gives you fucking mint for your because gum <laughs> gum for your breath. Like if you feel self conscious she about she's thought of that.
0: everything. She's okay. like a fairy godmother. Yeah, it's yeah.
1: really, it's like, it's just a huge relief after like you know fifteen years of feeling so stressed out and on your own. Like like I would come to set with my own thongs, like in my bag because I knew they weren't going to necessarily have something to protect me. So wow. I would collect th- like. I've done so many sex scenes, that I would collect nude thongs on set, and then I'd bring them in, because I'm like, oh, I've got a few good ones, like, of course, and like, then I'd be right, they wouldn't actually have something that would work, because I'd also been on sets before where they just wanted me to go without underwear, because it was, like, too complicated to find a thong or underwear that I could hide, and they, like, shame me and got mad at me when I was like, could we find something to cover my vagina? That's not the deuce, but... but yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, she's just there to, like from beginning till end, like, serve both in physical protection, emotional protection, and, like, just be a go-between in the conversations and, like, help make sure everybody's fucking comfortable and okay.
0: (laughs) Yeah. (sighs) Okay. So the thing is, like, and this is sticky because I don't think you're going to have any definitive answers on this. Mm -hmm. You can just guess. But... Like, how has your career been since going on this tirade, since standing up against directors who didn't necessarily agree with you? Like, has it been worth it? Have you, do you feel, lost any work potentially because you might have a reputation now of being difficult, of being someone who is, like, insistent upon all the nuance? Mm -hmm. I mean, all I know
1: know is that (laughs) I've never been on a set with an intimacy, like worked with an intimacy coordinator since the deuce because I went two years without working or getting any jobs until very recently. And I did get a job recently that I did that I didn't, I had my clothes on the whole time, which was tremendous. So there actually was an intimacy coordinator on that set. I just never interacted with them. But besides this last job, I've not gotten work. And who's to say? Like, I mean, there's been a million variables. There's been the pandemic. The industry has been like making huge shifts and changes in millions of directions. Um, I was on a show that the lead got me to and that did not help our show. Like Maggie Gyllenhaal was nominated for either a Golden Globe or an Emmy, the first season and never again. So the show was trending in a direction of perhaps getting nominations, getting attention and The amount of people I've met who told me they didn't watch The Deuce because they boycotted it because of James Franco, you know, it's hard because I hear that, but like there was also 30 other people on that show that were not James Franco who their beautiful performances were not seen because people didn't want to watch James Franco. Um, So that didn't help, like the show wasn't some, it wasn't euphoria, (laughs) it wasn't some front page, it wasn't, what do they call it, a water cooler show. Um, But it was a, whatever, respected HBO show and I was the lead character and so it definitely is like a bit odd that I didn't work for two years after and I'm still struggling to get work. So it's funny because for a while I was under the impression that it didn't necessarily hurt my career because the feedback I actually got verbally when I would talk about it was usually pretty good. There was definitely mixed opinions but for the most part, I got a lot of gratitude and appreciation, but then I got silence. <laughs> and then I like I haven't even been on a movie. I've hardly been in the industry, it's felt like since. And then recently, like I I've whenever when I have had conversations with people, somebody recently said to me, like, oh well, I love difficult women women. Like in response to me, I was like, Oh, is that is that the word on the street? And I'm just not on the streets. Like, I don't, I don't know. I do know that if somebody you know had wanted to work with me with the hopes of fucking me like that's off the table like I'm not I do feel like a lot of like what made me like sexy and mysterious is I feel like that's been like stripped of me by this and Mm -hmm. in some ways that's relieving and empowering the idea of like maybe I'm not a sex object anymore but now it's like well then what the fuck am I and um you know I haven't yet gotten the chance to truly shift that and be something else. A lot of how Me Too and Time's Up has been handled has been beautiful and brilliant and important. I think a lot of how it's been handled has been a fucking mess. And we're left with a lot of mess that we don't know how to fucking deal with. Mm -hmm. So my instinct and part of what I've felt my, you know, what drives me is trying to find like an actual logistical, practical way to make a change. So the intimacy coordinator has been the first thing I can think of and I thought and I did try to really not ruffle the feathers because there was there was pushback at the time while we were still doing the show from HBO. They were definitely very afraid about the idea of me talking about the intimacy coordinator because they were afraid that that was going to reflect poorly on James and therefore get our show canceled. So I got a lot of pressure and and of course everybody was quite pleased because I think I'm pretty good at being fucking diplomatic. And so, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't, and I still don't, I'm not looking to now be like, actually, here's the true story because it's not, I don't think this true story is some, like, horrific... It's just a little more nuanced than that, and it's been hard to speak about yeah. it.
0: Yeah, and it's not like it conflicts with the story. You're not no. like, this is this is just your side there's of a, little, a story. There's a
1: little more to it. Yeah. Um, so I've tried to be really diplomatic, and I tried not to ruffle feathers, but I guess, yeah, I'm realizing... Or ruffle feathers too much. Inevitably, I was ruffling feathers, but now it's like, wait, am... It has hurt my career. Like, am, kill the bird. Yeah, husband. wait. Like, I'm like, I did ruffle too They're like, yeah, you did ruffle too many feathers. I'm like, but please just go stay over there and just stop talking so much.
0: So, yeah, I don't. A difficult woman, I know. I don't know. Well, these these paths of like true advocacy for change the person that puts their neck on the line is not always the one that is rewarded for that at all. It's like rarely. (laughs) Yeah. Like if anything, when I read those stories from HBO, I think thank God that Sydney has an intimacy coordinator because she's referenced that and she is so sexualized and she doesn't always like it. And it is in my humble opinion that it's your work that paved the way for other women to be able to, advocate for themselves in those situations. And I'm grateful for what you did, and you, I'm certain of it, have saved so many people from a lot of pain already. And as SAG finally makes this a real thing and standardizes it, and as decades go on, and it's just as old hat as having a um, stunt coordinator on set, then, you know, I am so proud that that is part of your legacy. And I just, I don't know. I certainly hope that you don't suffer for it in any way because you're not difficult. You're simply actually helping things to run. Having an
1: opinion and asking questions is in fact considered being difficult in this industry, especially if you have a vagina that you don't want to show. (laughs) So, And there you have it.
0: (laughs) The end. Well, thank you for everyone who's made it to the end of this. This has been the beautiful Emily Mead. And yeah, that's it. Please like, subscribe, share with your friends. Donate to my Patreon or Venmo if you can. We love you all so much. God bless.